Welcome to the Lyme 360 podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a fellow Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to learn about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Welcome back to Lyme 360. This is your host, Mimi McLean. And today we are talking about pain management with Dr. Deepti Agrawal. And she's the Director of Integrative and Interventional Pain Management at Case Integrative in Chicago. Her specialty is helping in pain management through traditional and alternative treatments. She is a licensed anesthesiologist. And she decided after her experience with her grandfather's type 1 diabetes to pursue a more integrative and functional medicine approach in addition to the Western medicine that she had studied. Thank you for joining in today. Please go to Lyme360.com to sign up for our newsletter so you'll be notified of our next podcast and our weekly newsletter as well. And also, if you would like to help support our podcast, I have a shop page there with all the items that I use and suggest that a little bit of the profit goes to helping fund our podcast. Dr. Agarwal, thank you so much for coming on. You are a pain management expert on the traditional and also alternative practice, which is great because I think 100% of us who have chronic Lyme are in constant pain. And if there's some way to get past that pain, I've learned a lot about pain management through this past like seven years, just because it's kept me up at night and it makes you almost want to take your life because the pain is so unreal. So I'm so glad that we could talk about this and dissect it and figure out what people can do. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I guess I'll just like put the ball back in your court as far as like how we should take this in the direction of pain. I mean, I have done everything from narcotics to alternative. I've even done ketamine. I've done CBD, you know, I've done it all just to get past the pain that Lyme has caused, especially because it's like migraining, right? It's like, I've had just an email today of like, someone was like, I can't take the pain anymore. What? And they tell me it's all in my head. And that's the problem. I think we've gotten to a point where like, maybe it's in your head, maybe it's not, maybe it's managing it, you know, the symptoms. I think there's also that whole like PTSD Thing that kind of is going on that like, even if you don't have Lyme anymore, your body still thinks it has Lyme and it's just interacting with that. So I'll just let you take it away and just kind of let's go talk about like what anybody who's dealing with pain with Lyme, like what should they be doing? Well, that is a big question and also very complicated. I think, mm-hmm. you know, with Lyme disease, there can be a lot of sort of gray areas of pain management. And especially when a traditional physician is looking at it, you know, it's not as simple as coming in and saying, oh, I have joint pain, right? Because patients with Lyme are also dealing with this co-infectious state, which is causing a lot of inflammatory conditions in the body. And those are not always so identifiable and treatable. So I think it's really important to have a broader understanding of pain in the context of Lyme disease. It's definitely true. I mean, let's start off with like just even simple things. Like what would you recommend as far as like, is it going to see someone like you? I mean, you're you're kind of like unusual. I don't think there's many pain doctors out there. Well, I guess what where, what would you start with? Like what, what should they be doing? Like the inflammation is a, a good starting point too. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's hard to 
isolate a condition without seeing them because it's multifactorial, right? Pain is multifactorial. It depends on people's lifestyles, their conditions, what other past medical history they have. And so someone like me with my background, you're right, is absolutely unique. I am a traditionally trained anesthesiologist and pain management physician who's been practicing for a while. So I really do understand from a very traditional viewpoint how to treat pain. But I've also witnessed a lot of morbidity and increasing morbidity over the years, which has really fueled this quest to understand the root cause of illness and take a more integrative approach to pain because we don't always have all those answers in a traditional model. And so I like to look at people's pain issues from both vantage points and see how we can use the best of both worlds, you know, our traditional allopathic model and maybe another whole health system and integrate it for the individual. So it really depends on that individual, what they're willing to do, what they're interested in. Some people may not have an interest in energy healing, right? So we have to tailor treatment based on the patient. Okay. That's a good point. Like the energy healing. I mean, so let's just start like, let's go from one end of the spectrum to the other, right? So you have like your narcotics they can use, like if you're in pain, right? For, for example, like I'm not somebody who even like used Tylenol before I got Lyme, but I remember being in so much pain. For some reason it migrated from like my shoulder and it went to my ear and my ear pain was so unreal. I could not sleep for like seven days. I almost was hallucinating because I was so exhausted. I remember going to urgent care and just saying, I have such ear pain. He's like, but there's nothing in there. I'm like, I know, I know you're not going to see anything. There's no infection. I can tell you what it is. It's my Lyme. It's migrated. Please just give me something. And he gave me some narcotic. I don't even know what it was at this point to sleep through the night. And I woke up and I had a full night's sleep and my pain was gone. So I guess there's like, could we just go through like the different options, I guess, available. Because I think there's a lot of people listening here who didn't even think of energy healing to help their pain, or it could be something more, you know, like we were just talking about more of a prescribed drug. So maybe we could just kind of not knowing what the, the client is, but what their options are. Sure. So often with patients that are, that have a history of Lyme, they have pain anywhere from their joints, their nerves, their muscles. They may even have an underlying condition prior to getting the Lyme, like a herniated disc or something else. They may also be misdiagnosed based on their Lyme disease with fibromyalgia or myofascial pain or something else. And a lot of Lyme will present sort of as an autoimmune condition, even after treatment, which can be very complicated to treat because there's this underlying inflammatory response in the body. And like you said, it presents in odd ways, like in your ear. And so we have our traditional way to look at things and we have medications. Oftentimes anti-inflammatories are probably the first line of defense. We have medications that can help um, like a muscle relaxant. And then we also have medications like narcotics. And some of these medications, A, people are not able to tolerate B, they have side effects. So it just depends on how patients respond to those. Then we have other options in terms of interventions. And that really depends on exactly where the patient's pain is. And if it's amenable to an intervention, for instance, we can do joint injections. And the beauty of being in an integrative practice like CASE is we can do things aside from steroids. Steroids can can cause a reduced immune response for some of the patients with Lyme. And so that's not a great thing to use. We also have to be 
careful with continued use of steroids, especially with people whose joints are already more in a compromised situation. So we can use different things like prolozone therapy, which is helpful because we... I love that. I had that done in a joint. Oh, did you? I've done steroids because I was in so much pain, I couldn't even walk. So like that. And afterwards, I'm like, I feel better. Give me more. And he's like, nope, we can't. Sorry, you, you've reached your one, your, your one time limit. And then I've also done like, like, like where I injected it into the joint, the prolozone. Yeah. And it's, it's a wonderful, I think, option aside from having to get multiple steroid injections, because a lot of patients will require multiple steroid injections over multiple years. And so this is a great way to mix it up. And then there's also a lot of new regenerative techniques like PRP, stem cell therapy is even a newer technique that we're using in joints to really help regenerate tissue and cartilage without using steroids. Do you do that at your practice? We do. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've heard great things about that. I haven't done that, but I've heard some really good things about it. And then you mentioned a few things too that can also be helpful in terms of ketamine infusions and that we reserve for patients that really have tried so many different things or even patients that may have an underlying depression or depressive moods. You know, we can kind of kill two birds with one stone using it for pain control and to help with people suffering from depression. Um, there's also things like lidocaine infusions, which is similar to doing a ketamine infusion with not necessarily all the uh, benefits that you would have for depression. So we do have a lot of options. And then aside from pharmaceuticals, there's also a whole world of botanicals and nutraceuticals that can be used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I feel like it's now becoming so much more prevalent. You know, like the CBD, that really helped my pain a lot. Taking like CBD tinctures or gummies at night before I went to bed, that seemed to really kind of cause the inflammation to kind of go down and my pain to subside. Absolutely. And there's different forms of even the nerve vines or plant-based medicine that patients can use if they don't want to always be using a pharmaceutical drug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And then do you, like I was saying, I was referring to this person this morning and I would love for you to talk a little bit, I think about even food, I feel like is a huge part of it. And, that, and that's what I said to her. I go, I figured out a lot of my joint pain is really paying attention to what I'm eating because a lot of it might just be my body's natural response to whatever I'm eating, especially if it's processed. Like I find myself like the more I grab, you know, those bars, those energy bars or protein bars, which is in a package and you think you're eating something so healthy because it's like macro this or organic that. But then I found that that was causing my joint pain. Absolutely. And Mimi, that's a really important point. I'm glad you brought it up. So in the integrative medicine world, we love talking about culinary medicine and how to optimize your body through food. And food is medicine. It's a very important medicine that I think we often overlook, but it can also be poison, right? So it's knowing what to eat and how to optimize that. And I think it's also one of the hardest and most challenging things to do because food is not just a means of living for a lot of people. It's also a source of pleasure, right? And so I think there's a a fine balance in figuring out how to optimize your diet. And that's going to be different for everyone. But absolutely, in terms of really creating an anti-inflammatory state in your body, you really want to avoid processed foods and sugar. And like I said, that is easier said than done. But whole foods, whole grains, no sugar, that is probably one of the best things that people can do for their diet. 
Right. And I'm speaking for somebody like I even went to school at IIN for holistic, you know, health counseling. So I knew the importance of food even before I got sick. And it's funny because being sick, the last thing when you don't feel well, it's like being hungover. Like you look to food as like your comfort, right? So like, even when you don't feel well, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to have this bagel or this piece of pizza or something, even that just because you feel sorry for yourself because you're in so much pain and you don't feel well and you're missing out on life anyway, because you're sitting at home. But then I think it took me almost two years to really be like, okay, like if I really want to get better, I I need to like really, really like a hundred percent abide by this and cut out everything until I feel better. And that I think is what ultimately got me back to like feeling almost NA minus, almost back to normal where I'm like, okay, like you really have to do that. Like you keep like compromising with yourself. Like, I'm just going to have this one piece of cake or, (laughs) and then you just realize it's not worth it because you're in so much pain. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, especially from personal experience, because I really do think, like I said, it's one of the hardest things to do. It's so much easier to swallow a pill, but at the end of the day, getting your metabolic health under control is going to have far reaching impact. Like it's, it's almost like this return of investment that you'll see a few years from now, if you can really change your diet and really be in tune with what you're putting into your body. But it's funny because it's like, you know, like you talk to yourself, like when you get up in the morning, you're like, should I go for a lunch or not? It's almost like when you're talking to yourself, you're looking, you're hungry and you're looking at that bar and that's like an easy solution. You're like, really, can that thing really cause that much pain and damage in my body? Like, you start, like can it really, right? You're, you're kind of like, how, how can that one piece of fruit or food or whatever? The one thing, I don't know what kind of diet you subscribe to, at, you know, at your tell your clients, but one other thing that people, if they haven't listened to is... Um, the blood type diet, because one of my doctors like, are you eating for your blood type? I was like, "Mm, I don't even know what my blood type is. So I I did the research and literally everything I was eating was causing inflammation for my blood type. And it was healthy stuff like avocados, coconut oil, but my blood type can't have those things. So it was funny how like things I thought were healthy were actually causing my inflammation. I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to diets. I don't think this diet or that diet, I think it's important to understand what foods are good for you and then what works for you. And I think everyone, we're on this precipice of understanding nutrigenomics, nutrigenetics. It's a whole nother field that we actually don't know a whole a whole lot about. So that would be very a very personalized nutritional approach, which we don't quite know yet. So we have to take the knowledge that we do have and work with that. Also, people's gut microbiomes are totally different and they've been exposed to totally different things and they're changing on a daily basis. So they respond to food very differently. Behavioral modification is also the hardest thing, like you were talking about with the bar. And one thing I found that can be really helpful for people, and this is probably an emerging concept and those who subscribe to it are really into it. And I think it's a harder concept for some people, but that's wearing a continuous glucose monitor. And historically people do that when they're diabetic, but actually in terms of understanding what food does to your body for yourself at any given moment, if you have that sensor on, you can actually test your blood sugar and see how you're responding to food. So you may respond to something totally differently than I'm responding to it even though we both know that, you know, our sugar may go up based on, you know, a carb heavy meal or eating a bagel, the extent to which it responds is different depending on our metabolic flexibility. So I think some of those things are also important hacks that people can use in their daily life. 
David Asprey wore one of those one time and, and I was watching it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So do you have to have a doctor's note for that or how, how does that work? You do historically, although there's a lot more marketing around this device. And I believe there's some companies that, that are coming up where you can get it just as a consumer without a doctor's note. But it's something that you can get through your insurance. But because a lot of insurances are not covering it for someone that's not diabetic, which is, you know, these are part of the, the problems with our healthcare system because we don't think in a preventative approach. But there are companies that are coming. And I think this is going to become a very important wearable here in the next year or so. Do they hurt? Or are they easy to apply? Very easy to apply. Almost zero pain. Just a little, really? you'll feel a little poke as it's going in and that's it. Wow. Okay. I've always wanted to do that. Maybe this will be inspired. I always like to try things I haven't tried. Okay. So you mentioned about energy healing. I would love for you to talk a little bit about like what you advise your clients to do as far as the emotional part and the spiritual part that they can do from home. Yeah, sure. So that, like I said, is not for everyone, but for people that are interested, Reiki is a great energy healing option. And especially in a patient that's had Lyme disease and has diffuse joint pain, that's not something that we can necessarily go in and, you know, inject prolozone in, and that becomes more of a diffuse inflammatory state and also just related to a lot of different inflammatory factors. So we need something that may be a little bit more ethereal sometimes. And so doing Reiki is non-invasive and can sometimes help people just clear out their energy. And sometimes this type of pain also gets propagated or it's more intense for people who are carrying a lot of stress in their life or who do have some past emotional trauma. So energy healing is great for people like that. Mm -hmm. One of my past doctors explained to me, she, they were like, you know, Lyme is almost like having termites because the termites is the Lyme. Until you kill the termites, once the Lyme's gone, they leave massive damage like in a house to your body. So at that point, it's like going back through and healing it if it's either through metabolically or also now like emotionally and getting your body used to like subsiding on the trauma, right? So even like, I'm not a huge yoga person. I'm not a huge meditating person, but I learned that I had to start like seeing life through a different lens, you know, and not, and not letting go of things and not holding on to anger not yelling as much with like my five kids <laughs> and just be like, it's funny. We were just talking the other day with my kids and my husband, cause he's more of a yeller. And I used to be the yeller. And now my husband, my son was like, mom doesn't yell anymore. She just gets up and walks out and she snaps and packs. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to yell. So I just I'm like, I'm out of the situation until I can calm down and then I can come back and talk like a normal person, but I'm not going to engage, you know? And so I think that's super important for pain management and people who are dealing with a chronic illness. Cause if you're, like you said, if your body is so heightened with stress and so, you know, that's emotional, but there's other things that you can do. Like if it's meditating or is there any other advice you could give towards that? Yeah, absolutely. So stress is also another cause of inflammation in the body and, and having this internal, you know, infection also wreaks stress on your body. It's like this insidious stress that your body's constantly in this fight or flight mode. And so we want to figure out how to rewire our brain and not just with medicine, because, you know, medicine's only going to do it 
at the time that you have the medicine in your body, we really want to figure out how to rewire on a chronic level, our stress levels. And that can be done through meditation and yoga. Great, great practices. And I think, you know, this isn't just for the Lyme patient. This is for anyone in life. The the idea of resiliency is an anti-inflammatory for your body. And this is also something that's hard for certain people to understand. But once you start engaging in a mind-body practice, there are very small micro changes that occur at a cellular level that we haven't even completely been able to elucidate. And those micro changes, like you're mentioning, even just the ability to take a step back and not yell or not get involved um, in a situation and walk away, that's actually a behavioral change that maybe you don't know it or not, but it could be related to your mind-body practice. So I always tell people that they just need to give it a try over some time, even if it's a five to 10 minute practice, and they may start to notice really subtle changes within themselves. Yeah. Even breathing, right? Like even the simple act of like breathing in five, letting out three and just being cognizant of your breath. Breathing is probably one of the easiest, least expensive, and most important things that anyone can engage in. And there are multiple types of breathing practices and, you know, people can go down a rabbit hole, but breathing and breath work has literally cured disease too. And it's a great way to detoxify the body naturally. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to another thing is like, it's amazing how like all of a sudden you could have knee pain and you watch like a TV show, like a funny TV show and your pain goes away. (laughs) Right? Like it's just diverting like your attention of your mind and your right. So it's kind of all the same thing. It's like teaching your mind to kind of put it somewhere else. And what laughter is like, it's a natural feel good, right? You're not stressed when you're laughing and engaged and something's funny. And so these are all things that I think we sometimes forget because we're so wrapped up in our day-to-day lives. And especially in the Western world, we are in a constant fight or flight mode, whether we realize it or not. It's just, it's very endemic to our culture. So just going back to the basics is really helpful for health. Mm -hmm. And what I'd love to end on is a little bit of hope because again, like this morning I was going back and forth with a listener and she was like, thank you so much. She's like, because my traditional doctor told me I'm going to have to live with this pain for the rest of my life. And having talked to you, you're giving me hope. And I do feel like pain is such a huge part of Lyme that that's why people give up going ahead and living because they don't ever see that they're going to be out of pain. And it just gets unbearable. It's excruciating. I mean, I was at at a point where I was having four Advils every four hours for weeks on end because I was in so much pain. And so I guess I would love for them to hear it from an actual doctor that like there is hope and they can get through it. And it's not pain that they're going to have to live with for the rest of their life. Absolutely. And that's part of this quest that made me pivot from a very traditional career and do something that's very different for an anesthesiologist and a pain management physician. But you know, in a traditional setting, we cannot do or talk about some of the things that we can talk about in an integrative setting. And for me, I just knew that I wasn't truly able to help patients in chronic pain in just a traditional model. And that's what really drew me to a place like Case. And I feel like I even have hope as a physician and how I can help people because there's so many more things in my toolbox. And there's also a way to add a creative art to the science of medicine. And I think that's really needed for patients who are suffering from 
what I like to call more enigmatic medical issues where we don't really have all the answers. And there's going to be a lot more of us now going through the pandemic and people who are now injured from it long-term, like have long haulers or whatever. Yeah. And if people didn't understand what brain fog meant before or neuroinflammation, I think the pandemic has really brought to light some of these issues and really brought to light how bad stress can be for, for our body and how much rewiring a lot of us require in our brain. Mm-hmm. No, it's so true. So is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to discuss? You know, I think we covered a lot of interesting things. I would say that the most important thing that people can do at home is really engage in a healthy lifestyle, optimize your lifestyle as much as possible through food, through sleep. That's one thing that we didn't touch on. Sleep is so important. And I know that is probably one of the most difficult things to do while you're in pain. And finding some sort of movement or exercise routine in your daily life is also very important, very important to help decrease brain fog and just keep your body healthy. So true. And I know that's hard to do when you don't like, you're like, oh, my hip hurts, my knee hurts, I can't walk. But I think even my husband who has Lyme, he goes, all my joint pain went away when I started lifting weights. I don't know why that is, but he's like, you need to start lifting weights because your joint pain will go away. It's like, the more you do, it's like, it helps kind of, I don't know, clean out the joints. <laughs> well, yeah, two things. Muscle is truly an anti-inflammatory organ. And it's it's actually very important to keep building muscle, especially the more birthdays we have because we lose muscle mass every single year. And then actually exercise releases a really important, it releases important neurotransmitters, but brain-derived neurotrophic factor is one important transmitter that gets released that actually helps clear neuroinflammation. So whether we're thinking about it or not, movement is is very important to our health and is another form of medicine. Great. Now, do you do tele... Like if someone's listening and they want to, to work with you and they don't live in Chicago area, do you work like through Zoom or tele... What do they call it? Telemedicine now? Yeah. No, we absolutely do. I think in terms of if someone needed a true physical exam for something, that's more difficult to do. But if someone wanted to discuss more lifestyle approaches or botanicals in order to help manage pain, we can absolutely do that via telehealth. And we do that quite a bit in the office. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Argoel. I really appreciate your time. And you are located at Case Integrative. In, it's in Chicago, correct? I believe. In Chicago. Yes. Yep. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on, and I am so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. If you want to learn how I detox and you want to check out my Detox for Lyme checklist, go to lime360.com forward slash detox checklist. You can also join our community at Lime360 Warriors on Facebook, and let's heal together. Thank you.